Last week, if you remember, I preached a, a sermon uh, that I titled Devoured, Devoured by the Devil. Uh, we discussed his tactics, uh, the tactics the devil uses. We talked about how, you know, one of the things he does is, first off, he will appeal to the things that you like, the things that you enjoy, the things that, that are appealing to you. He will attack you with those things. Uh, if that doesn't work, a lot of times he'll move on to the next step, which is he'll try to trap you and just arrange circumstances in your life to, to where he gets you caught in between a rock and a hard place, and, and then you, you fall that way. Uh, if that doesn't work, another thing that he will try is just to pile so many things on you. He'll try to overwhelm you, pile so many things on that it's, it's just too much, and you wind up giving up the fight. Because ultimately, his goal is to try to control you, and how that eventually, uh, through that whole process, the devil doesn't really care about you at all. We all know that. And eventually, he will abandon you. Uh, at, the very, you know, at the very least, he will laugh when a sinner gets cast into an eternal lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And that is the devil. This week, I would like to kind of look at the other side of things and, and change up a little bit and look at, like I said, the other side of the battle. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you uh, when you were saved and when you received the Holy Ghost. And I know that many of these things that we're talking about today are going to be pretty common knowledge, but it is encouraging to know that, you know, when you get saved, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that change. There are some things that you have, um, you know, at your disposal that you didn't have before. If you have been born again, that is, uh, if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith, uh, you realize at some point in time that you were a sinner a big sinner, I mean, through and through kind of a sinner, that's a hard step for a lot of people to uh, overcome, right? They have a tendency to think they're kind of self-righteous. But, but you've gotten to the place where you realized, oh, yeah, that's me. And you were actually had some regret, some remorse. You were sorry for your sins. And you decided you wanted to escape the punishment of an eternal hell fire, right? To pay for your own sins. So you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you turn to him because he was the only hope that you had. Amen? Amen? Um, and you basically went to the Lord and said, Lord, listen, I believe that you're God. I believe you were manifest in the flesh. You know, I believe on the, you died, that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And that why you were there is because you loved me. And I'm asking you, uh, you know, please uh, save me. Amen? Take that payment that you made uh, with your death, burial, and resurrection and make it apply to me. Uh, that is, you know, it's, it's a free gift that the Lord offers. And I hope that every one of you here this morning has done that. I know most of you and I know most of you have. Uh, but when you, when, when you do that, you have the Holy Spirit then dwelling inside of you. And, you know, that spirit inside of you has given you certain benefits, certain things that uh, will help you along the way. And I'd like to just talk about uh, a couple of those this morning. There's way too many uh, to, to do an exhaustive list, but I would like to get into at least a couple of them this morning that I would like you to think about. So I've titled this message this morning very simply, uh, instead of being devoured by the devil, sheltered by the Spirit. Sheltered by the Spirit. Now, as I said before, you know, before I really get into it, there's no way that I can cover everything that the Holy Spirit does for you. It would take... You know, it would take probably a year-long uh, series of sermons uh, or Bible studies to, to get an, <laughs> even scratch the surface 
but there are many things that he does for you at salvation, and there are many things he continues to do for you on a day-to-day basis. And it's good for us to know those things, um, because while you're facing the onslaught of this world, of your own flesh, and of the devil, uh, you know, you need to know what things you have at your disposal and, and how the Lord is looking out for you. That can be a great encouragement. Our text this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be in Romans chapter 8. If you'll turn there, Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> now, I know what you might be thinking. Uh, you might be thinking, oh, no, this is a Romans 8.28 message. Nothing. I know Romans 8.28 is in the chapter. And I do believe Romans 8.28, just like I believe every other verse of the Bible. Uh, but the truth is this. Uh, sometimes it's pretty hard to get all the way to Romans 8.28. Amen? Uh, sometimes it's, it's difficult to get there when everything around you seems to be falling apart. I think about, uh, and I'll, I'll mention it, but I think about Brian and Ruth and some of the things they've gone through and have gone through and the family's gone through over the last uh, couple of weeks just with, you know, with his health issues. And uh, I think about some of the, the struggles and the heartbreaks that, that some of you uh, are in the middle of, that some of you have gone through. And, uh, and yes, I, consider, I even consider some of the difficulties that my wife and I you know, have been through over the years. And, bre- and brethren, listen, when you're the one that's in the ER room, right, or your husband or your wife is the one in the ER room, when you're facing your giant, whatever that may be, and the only thing that you seem to have at your disposal is as you're walking down that path to, to face that giant that, that is in your life, the only thing you seem to have at your disposal is you've stopped along the way and picked up a couple of rocks, right? Um, it, is, you know, it, is pretty, it is pretty tough when you, you, know, when you get to that point uh, and you face that giant, you've just got a couple of, uh, of rocks, you walk into that doctor's office and that report comes back and, and you get the report. Or when your world begins to crumble around you because of just different circumstances in your life. Listen, when you find yourself, when you find yourself constantly wondering uh, or asking the Lord why, or why me? Um, Romans 8.28 is probably not the verse you want somebody to walk up and quote to you right off the bat. Amen? Um, you, you know, you, you see that sometimes, you, sometimes you're trying to help a, an individual and they're going through a rough time, and I've done it as well. And, you know, the, the pain and, and the suffering they're going through, and you pop up, well, you know, all things work together for good to them that love God. For those who are the called according to his purpose. And what they want to do is turn around and slap you upside the head. <laughs> but they don't because they're charitable. Or maybe they did, I don't know. <laughs> but that's not the verse sometimes you want to throw out right at the beginning of that process. Amen? It's there. And, and you'll get to it. So let's back up a little bit. Uh, and see if there's not something else that we can, you know, <laughs> cling on to when those types of troubles and those type of situations arise. Before we do that, let's go ahead and bow our, our head for a word of prayer 
and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you again for uh, just your goodness and your mercy. You are a great God, a holy God, and for that, uh, Lord, we, we adore you and we humbly bow before you. Lord, help us to um, ever remember your presence. Uh, help us, Father, that, to realize that as we go through struggles and trials in this life, uh, there are certain things that you have given us, certain benefits that we have because we've decided to follow your son uh, as our savior. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would you know, take those and use them to comfort us and help us. And Father, if there's anybody here this morning who hasn't trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, I pray that, uh, Lord, maybe when they hear what they're missing, uh, or maybe just um, sitting here thinking about it a little bit, might cause them to take action and actually make that decision to get saved for themselves. It is a, uh, a personal decision. Everybody has to get to that point in their own life. And Lord, that decision has to be real to them. It can't be their parents. It can't be their husband, their wife, their brother, their sister. It has to be them. So work in the hearts of anybody here who's lost. Uh, and for the Christians that are here, Father, just again, encourage us and strengthen us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, like I said, I'd like you to, to go back to uh, Romans 8. And let's go ahead and go back to verse uh, 18. Let's go back to Romans 8, verse 18. And verse 18, ladies and gentlemen, says this. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, when I read that verse, um, I can't help but think of the people down south and what they would say. Uh, and being down south and in a church down there, you heard them say it all the time. Well, Paul must have been a southerner. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, right? Um, uh, but brother, sometimes there's, a, sometimes there's some pretty deep wisdom in some of those seemingly uh, simple sayings that the southern, southerner has down there. Uh, now, I know the technical definition for the word reckon is uh, to count, is to number, is to tell the particulars, it is to esteem, Right? And I know that Paul here in this passage is esteeming, that's how he's using the word, um, he's esteeming the sufferings of this present time to be minuscule and compared to the glory that we're going to be shown once we get to heaven. That much is true. Um, but the southerner uses the term a little more like this. <laughs> um, the southerner, uh, you know... Um, Southerner uses that term a little bit more like you and I face the struggles and the trials and the problems that come along with it. We know in our head that mm, things should be better in the end. But brother, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that, right? Um, for a Southerner, it would be like having their, their prize bull or their prize cow or horse or any other favorite animal that you may, you know, have a, a great attachment to, uh, come down ill and be very sick and having watched them, you know, de deteriorate and it finally gets to the point where you need to call the veterinarian in and, and you finally, you're kind of dreading it, but you make that call and sure enough, the vet comes out and the vet comes out and, and begins, you know, to, well, they begin to do an assessment. And they begin to look at the different vital signs in the, in the animal. They begin to look at the blood pressure. They begin to look at the pulse, the respiration, the pupils. You know, are they, uh, you know, are they equally dilated? Do they equally react to light? Uh, 
all the different signs. They began to look at the skin, okay, in this case, hide. Uh, but they, they began to just kind of go over and begin to give this animal, uh, you know, an assessment of how things are going. And meanwhile, the, the southerner is sitting back and he's watching the vet and he's paying very close attention. And he begins to monitor the countenance on the veterinarian. And as that vet begins to look over this, this animal, uh, his countenance begins to sink. And that southerner there begins to become concerned. And sure enough, the vet looks up and looks at the, uh, looks at the good old boy and says, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, I'm sorry, but, you know, Bossy here has is, is, is had a good life. But it's, it's time. And here's how the southerner responds to that. You know, his heart begins to break. That vet begins to speak, and he knows what's coming out. And with a broken heart, that, that southerner utters these words. He goes, I reckon so. <laughs> In other words... I know what you're saying is true, but I really am not taking any pleasure in the fact that it's happening. I guess if it has to be that way, then I suppose there's nothing I can do about it. I would really much rather have it a different way, but I reckon so. And that's how oftentimes, that's how we, we view the, the, the struggles and the trials and the dilemmas that we find ourselves in. Uh, we have reservations about it. We don't like it. We would just as soon change it. I reckon it'll be all right. On a, on a good day, that's how we handle things normally. <laughs> on a bad day, uh, it's not quite as amiable. On a bad day, we fight, we deny it, we ignore it. We become afraid. We begin to lash out. We just do, we do all kinds of things. Why? Because, because brethren, trying to deal with, with the, you know, the, that, those kind of pressures and those, that kind of trouble and, and everything that's going on uh, all at once becomes, it, it does, it becomes overwhelming like we talked about last week. I have a question for you this morning that I'd like you to, to think about. Uh, and that is, that is this. What is it? right now, that you are in the middle of suffering. You say, well, I'm not suffering from anything right now. Everything's going great. Well, praise the Lord. Pray for everybody else. <laughs> because uh, as I was thinking about this and, and you know, wrapping things, uh, running things through my mind, uh, just, just taking a, a glance across all the different people in the church that are going through all these different things. And folks, it is, I mean, it's tough to be able to deal with it. Amen? I mean, what kind of things are you suffering from? What kind of things actually, you know, get under your skin? Maybe, maybe it is death or a disease of some type. Maybe in yourself, maybe in your spouse, maybe in your family, maybe in some friends, maybe in a co-worker, but, but you're sitting back struggling with that and you get that, that report from the doctor, and ladies and gentlemen, sometimes that, that report is awful sobering. And you're left to deal with it. Well, I reckon so. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, right? Uh, if, if, you know, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to have to go through this at one time or another. 
Amen? It is a reality. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning, listen, maybe, maybe what gets to you is a certain disappointment in life. Maybe, maybe things, uh, something, you know, has completely fallen apart and you find yourself distraught or troubled or worried or hurt or down because, uh, you know, because of this one thing that has just, in your mind, completely changed your life and you're struggling and having a difficult time and how do I manage it? How do I, I, I know that all things are supposed to work together for good, but how is it supposed to work together for good? You can't see it. Right? Maybe, maybe you have something in, uh, going on in your life that is, uh, you know, distressful. Maybe, maybe you're the type of person that, and, and I know some people like this, not, not necessarily in this church, but um, I know some people that they, they worry and they, they, they work themselves up into a frenzy over sometimes meaningless little details. But to them, it's a big deal. They're just uh, the type of person that their, their normal habit, their normal way of handling things is to escalate a small problem up into a big problem, and, and they just dwell on it and focus on it, and they can't, get, get, they can't get away from it until that problem goes away, and then immediately they have to move into the next problem. I don't know what it is, it just, there's some people that they struggle with this, and, and everything seems to distress them, everything seems to get magnified, and everything seems to get made worse, I hope, you know, I hope that you're not like that, I, I pray for the people that are like that, because it's a hard thing to deal with, but there are some people that really struggle with that, it's, it's hard, there are some, um, um, there are some people that struggle, struggle just with being discontent over where they're at. Maybe you looked at your checkbook last week and you go, oh. <laughs> Maybe you look at your church, your pastor, and you go, oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's, listen, one of the things that the devil throws in front of your face, one of the things that, that, that pops up is, is, listen, he puts you in a place where you're not, you're not satisfied and you struggle and you, you just can't seem to find that, that, you know, that niche where you can be content with where you're at. And you know the verses, and you read the verses in the Bible, and uh, you know you struggle with it, and you just, for whatever reason, you're just, you're just not not content. Look at uh, look at verse twenty two and twenty three. It says this in Romans eight. It says, "For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now." And not only they, look at this, and Paul's talking to Christians, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. <laughs> Paul recognized the same thing I'm trying to say here this morning. Is Listen, <laughs> when things get bad, things get crazy, the reality is, is, you know what? Everybody to one degree or another winds up groaning and complaining about something. We all, we all face that. We all struggle with it. We all go through that. And, and even Paul says, hey, listen, even we, even Christians, fall into that trap. Right? We're, we're waiting. I know it's waiting for, the, you know, for the, uh, the redemption of our body. Why? Well, because the one that we're in is pretty dissatisfying right now. I wish I didn't have to struggle with all the things I have to struggle with. How bad are your groans when it comes to that? 
Listen, I hope you're not suffering this morning. I hope you're at a place in life where, where this you know, doesn't apply to you as, as much as maybe it did a year or two ago. If, if that's the case, praise the Lord. And like I said earlier, pray for, pray for the rest of them that are going through it. But, but, but the reality is, folks, it, it gets pretty bad sometimes. And the whole creation groans and Christians groan. And I'll speak more about groaning in, in a little bit when we get a little further on. But, uh, but look at verse 24. It says this, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now that sounds so good. You know what he basically said? He basically said, Well, of course I can't see it. If I, if I could see it, it wouldn't be hope. But I have that hope. And you know what? I wait patiently for it. That sounds pretty good. How many of, no, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you are there? Ideally, you know what? That sounds pretty good. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm supposed to have. That's where I'm supposed to be. Even though I don't see it, I know that's ultimately where it's going. And I should have patience to wait until I finally get there. Sometimes the groans are a lot louder than what you think. Why is that? Well, because, listen, that hope is hard to see. Right? I know that I'm supposed to be able to see it, and I know that I'm supposed to be able to be patient, but the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, when, when you get into this type of thing in life, you look, but you can't see the hope sometimes. You don't know where it's, when's, when's it going to end? When is there going to be a relief? When is the solution going to come? Is anybody even on my side helping me through this, this mess that I'm in? I, don't, I, I, I just don't see any hope. That's more likely what happens. And, and when, when you begin to lose hope, the reality is you begin to lose patience. You begin to lose patience with yourself. You begin to lose patience with your family. You begin to lose patience with God. And you get, um, let's say, sometimes a little testy, a little difficult to live with. Why? Because you're running on empty. I was thinking about, again, just you can't help but think about the struggles that people are going through. And, and folks, sometimes the, the hope... I, I know in the back of my head, and I should know this, and I know the Bible, and I've read the Bible, and I, I know that the hope is there. I know it should be visible. I know I, sh I shouldn't have to see it. I should be able to walk by faith and not by sight. And when you can do that, it's great. But sometimes, sometimes it's hard to do. And ladies and gentlemen, that is where the Spirit comes in. And begins to step in and give you some things that you don't have on your own. Amen. Amen. Um, it says, take a look at the next verse. The next verse, verse 26, says this. Likewise, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. Just like I know that, just like I know that there is hope and I should be able to see that hope and that hope is really there, but oftentimes I don't see it. Just like that, the Spirit knows my infirmities and because I'm not exactly where I need to be, He steps in and He begins to make intercession for me with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen? You know, what is, uh, what is an infirmity? You know, a definition of an infirmity is this, an unsound or unhealthy state of the body. Well, there's some folks in our church who got that going on. What is it? It's weakness, feebleness. It is a defect, an imperfection. And if you can't find yourself in that list, you're in the wrong church. (laughs) Because defect and imperfection should cover all of us, even if you're strong and healthy. But that's where that infirmity, ladies and gentlemen, is where we see ourselves in the middle of those troubles and struggles and trials. And those are the things that weigh upon us. And, and, and they are, you know, they are part of us. So what do we do? We pray. We pray. And our instinct and our prayer is just like, you know, we're, we're human beings. Our instinct when we pray is, Lord, help me, is self-preservation. Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, take care of this mess. And we begin to pray and we begin to ask the Lord and beseech the Lord. And, and you know, and, and we hope for a, a speedy answer. And then that whole patience thing rears its ugly head and you don't get the answer as quickly as you would like. Hey, Paul did the same thing. What did he say about the, his infirmity of the flesh? He said, I, I besought the Lord thrice to take this thing from me. Paul got in the middle of that, uh, of that trouble, of that turmoil, and he went back to the Lord and said, Lord, take, this, is, this thing is a real bear. It's, it's bordering line on more than I can handle. Would you take this from me? Because, and he, I'm sure he had all kinds of reasons. I could be much more effective. I'd be a much more pleasant person to be around. Uh, Lord, I'm just selfish and I... Will you take this infirmity from me? And, and time and time again, the Lord came back and either didn't answer him or said no. So sometimes we pray and sometimes we pray and, and you know, we think to ourselves, uh, well, nothing's happening. And so we pray again and still nothing happens. Pretty soon we leave prayer and begin to panic. <laughs> Why? Because we're worried it's never going to end. But like the verse says in Romans uh, 8.26, listen, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, just with who we are, we don't know how we ought to pray. See, we see it from our point of view. We see, it from, we see it from the point of view of, hey, this thing is affecting me like this. I don't like it. Take it away, God. But for Paul, that thorn was put there for a reason. Amen. Right? He didn't know that. But it was put there for a reason. For Job, look at what what Job went through. And he went through it for a reason. Same thing. 
You, you, know, you can go through the Bible character names. You think of Hannah, you think of Sarah, you think of Abraham, you think of Moses, you think of Gideon, and on and on and on. Hey, listen, the Lord knew what trouble they were going through, and the Lord, the Lord knew exactly what they, you know, what they were dealing with. And, and, and every one of them prayed and asked the Lord to, uh, you know, take care of their infirmity, take care of, take care of this thing that I'm going through. And the whole church has been getting together and praying for Brian, saying, Lord, would you take care of him? And every time it turns around, it seems like sometimes, you know, he has another episode. And you go, Lord, what's going on? And, and then you get some good news the other day when he heard that, well, the blood flow is increasing to his brain. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But the day before that, in my mind, I'm going, oh, man, where's this going? We, we, we all fall into that same trap. Listen, we have to remember and we have to, to realize that, listen, the Lord sees our troubles, the Holy Spirit sees our troubles in a way that we don't necessarily see our trouble. The Holy Spirit knows God's purpose in our lives, right? The Holy Spirit knows your real strength. The Holy Spirit knows who's watching you. And what kind of example you're going to be when this whole thing is done. He knows who you're going to affect and, and how you're going to come out on the other side. And, and, and the Holy Spirit knows all that things. You and I don't know that. We just know the problem. Right? We just know the, we just know the infirmity. And so we pray. And with our limited vision, with our limited scope, we pray for the infirmity. Take this infirmity away. Take this infirmity away. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit's sitting back. And, you know, the beauty of this whole thing is... The Holy Spirit is sitting back there and he knows everything from, you know, that God knows. Obviously, he's, he's God. And he looks at us and he goes, they don't even know how to pray. <laughs> and you know what's good to know in this case? It's good to know the Holy Spirit intercedes in your behalf and says, hold on, Father. <laughs> I know you know what they said, but give me a chance to interpret it for them. <laughs> Right? Give me a chance to, 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 to make a few typo corrections because uh, I, I know what your will is and, and he's listening to what we're saying, but the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit, one of the things the Spirit does for us when you're saved is he takes those prayers when, that, that we pray when we have such a, a, a limited vision and he, he takes and he, and he rewrites them according to the Father's will and according to all the things that he knows that we don't know and then he brings him up to the Father. Amen? Amen? It says that, you know, he's got the insight and that knowledge and, and he's got compassion. And it says there in the verse that he groans. Notice the groaning. Seems to be a constant theme in this passage here. Take a look. It's back in, back in verse 22. The whole creation groans. Back in verse 23, we groan. And then in verse 26, the Spirit groans for us because we don't know how to pray right. And so he, so he, he, he groans and he, 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 uh, uh, he groans and he makes intercession for us with what? With groanings which cannot be uttered. That is, they cannot be spoken. In any language. 
And when some charismatic tries to tell you that, oh, that's a prayer language, and he's speaking in tongues, and he's, he's praying with, with tongues and, and, and making groanings which cannot be uttered, well, if it can't be uttered, it can't be spoken. Right? So why are you practice trying to speak it? <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to read the Bible. You just got to read it. Listen, when somebody is groaning, it's something pretty serious, generally. Have you ever injured yourself or, or been so sick or, or, or maybe even heartbroken that you literally couldn't speak? Maybe it was shock. Maybe it was extreme pain. I don't know. I remember the little jump in the dive I did on the ice uh, with my ribs. Right? Landed on the ribs right on my sternum. Save the kid. <laughs> That's the only redeeming factor. I didn't crush little Noah when he was 10 years old. Praise the Lord. But man, did I pay for it. Because <laughs> I'm just not that good of a skater. I'm a West Coast guy. Playing tag on, on ice skates, and, and he fell down in front of me, and I was going pretty fast. It's like, I can't stop. I jumped. The, I, I, the only way I can not run over is a jump. I jumped over him, literally launched myself in the air so I didn't, <laughs> didn't crush the poor little kid, because I'm not exactly a small fella. <laughs> and, and, and when I came on the other side, I, I went to, you know, to land, and of course, it's ice, my hand slipped. I, right on my sternum, man. Oh, I was down there as I hit, and I knew it was bad. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> because one of the things I experienced is... <laughs> That's all that came out. That's all that I could get out. I, I, I know the drill. I know what to do. I know my diaphragm is spasming. I know how to fix that. Relax, short breaths. Don't try to take a deep breath. I know all those things, but all that kind of happened was, and I wondered if it was ever going to stop spasming, because I really, really, really wanted to breathe. Groanings which cannot be uttered. You ever been there? Ever been at the place where the groanings were so bad that you, I don't even know how to speak about it. You couldn't. You couldn't speak. The Holy Spirit looks at you and the struggles you're going through and you know what he does? He intercedes for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you when you're facing that kind of pain, when you're facing that kind of trouble. He gets in there and he intercedes for you in a way that nobody else could even, nobody can, can verbalize. It's the Holy Spirit becoming so desperate for us because he knows the trouble we're in and he knows that more than likely we've probably gotten ourselves into that own trouble. Not always, but some, a lot of times. Sometimes beyond our control or he intercedes for us because of the way maybe we're handling the trouble that we're in and he knows, hey, that's not the best way to handle the trouble and you're not really helping things and I know what you're praying, but you know what, I need to kind of mm, fix that a little bit. And ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit intercedes in your life as a, as a born-again Christian 
and he, 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 he prays for you with groanings which cannot be uttered. I'm sure sometimes those groans are because of our lack of prayer. Or inability to even know what to pray. Probably like, oh, Father, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. Just, here's what he means to say. <laughs> He's not in a good state right now. His mind's not working all that well. Let me just, let me, I know what you're after. Let me interpret for you what he means. The Holy Spirit is doing for that, us for that every time we get in the middle of our struggles and our trials. Isn't that a blessing? It's a comfort to know that. Remember how the, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ wept for Lazarus? Hey, listen. He groans out of love for you and I. That's why he does that. Even though sometimes the Lord has allowed us to go through the trouble that we're in, you know as well as I do, he knows what he's doing. He's got a reason. He's got a plan. You say, I can't see it. That's why we're groaning to begin with. Of course we can't see it. But don't ever, don't ever give up hope. I know sometimes we ask amiss, right? I know sometimes we don't pray as much as we should. But the Holy Spirit takes all of those infirmities, all of our failures, all the, the way that we mishandle those, the times when we're facing those struggles. The Holy Spirit looks down and he takes all that, that mishandling that we do of the situation and he shuffles it all around and then, and then he intercedes for us and he, he takes our infirmities into consideration when he translates that prayer up to the Father. And you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ prays for you that way also. Take a look at verse 27. Verse 27, he, uh, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So break that down. He that searcheth the hearts. Well, Revelation 2 says, um, he says, in speaking about Jesus Christ, it says this, I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. Right? So I know that's talking about Jesus Christ. He that searcheth the hearts, what? Knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. Well, why does he know the mind of the Spirit? Well, because the Spirit's got prayers going on, groanings which can't be uttered. He can't speak it to him, so the Lord knows his mind. The Lord Jesus Christ knows the mind of the Spirit, partly because it's his mind. It's his Spirit, right? The Trinity. And the Lord Jesus Christ maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So folks, you, what you have, what you have in, in, in being saved is you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you that's watching you go through this difficult time, watching you go through this struggle, and he is, uh, he's, he's watching quite often as you fail in going through it, and then taking those failures and turning them into, uh, interpreting them in the will of God, and, and, and taking all your infirmities, all, your, all the things that, are, uh, that you're struggling with, and all the things that are going wrong, and he's... he's He's overlooking all that and repackaging your prayers so that it matches the God's will. At the same time, the Lord Jesus Christ is looking and he knows the mind of the Spirit. At the same time, the Lord Jesus Christ is being an advocate for you as well. You get that because you're saved. You get that because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
Verse 27, and he that searcheth the hearts, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, and he, the Lord Jesus Christ, maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I got the Holy Spirit interceding for me, and I have the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for me. And they both do it according to the will of God. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able to save them unto the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing what? He ever liveth, what? To make intercession for them. You get, you get yourself in a, in a situation in life, and praise the Lord, they don't happen all the time. But when they do, man, it's sure good to know that, hey, even if I mess it up, I've got some people that are kind of a buffer between me and God, and they're, they're taking care of it for me. I got the Holy Spirit working, and I got the Lord Jesus Christ who's concerned about me. They both love me. They both care for me. And, and yes, I'm going through this, this uh, struggle and this trial. And yes, sometimes I groan, and sometimes I don't see the end, but that's just the way, that's the, way the whole world is. And, and I know that both of them take what I'm going through and they filter it into God's will. And that prayer goes to God the Father. And ladies and gentlemen, that's one of the benefits of being saved. You have somebody praying for you. You got a whole church of people praying for you. And the Holy Spirit's doing that for every one of those prayers for you. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. The Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, they both know what your infirmity is. They both know what you need according to God's will. They both have a, a heart and they both groan in, in, in prayer for you. And even though you do not understand what is going on, you don't understand why it's going on, you don't understand how long it's going to go on, you still have that advocate with the Father. Right? Right? You still have that advocate with the Father. My little children, these things write I unto you that's, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Right? The Lord prays for you and makes intercession for you. I think of that last verse I, is uh, 1 John 2.1. I think of, uh, I think of, you know, Again, the list could go on and on and on. But I think of Brian, Ruth, I think of the Carlsons, I think of, you know, Brother Sullivan when, when he was still alive, and Miss Judy, and um, think of Angie and some of the things she went through, and just, I could name time and time again, right? Um, and, and in the back of my mind, I'm sitting here watching this, and one of the things that is such a comfort to me is knowing that, hey, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are in actively interceding to make the things that you and I need present, presented to the Lord Jesus, to, the, to God the Father in the right way. That's a great benefit. And if you do happen to get to the place where you lose faith in that. If you do happen to the place where you begin to lose hope that you know you should have, but that patient fails, that patience fails, they intercede for you even in that and carry you through it. You 
if you happen to sin along the way. They take you through it. You know what this, the Spirit does for you, ladies and gentlemen? The Spirit shelters, the Spirit shelters you from yourself, <laughs> from all those struggles and trials. And you just need to work on not grieving the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit. Right? You need to work on not grieving the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit. Why? Because they're actively involved in trying to help you out and, and take that situation that you're in and, and reshuffle it and, and decipher it and put it into, into God's ears in the right way. Even if you can't. The best thing that you can do, the best thing that you can do when you're going through those kind of struggles and trials is don't quench the spirit, right? Don't grieve the spirit. How do you do that? Well, by giving up hope. By wallowing in sin. By being impatient. You know what, uh, you know what the Bible says. Take a look, really. Take a look, real quick at um, Exodus 36. Ex uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. This is what this Holy Spirit does for you. This is what the Spirit of God does for you. Is Ezekiel chapter 36. Take a look down at verse 27. The Bible says this. 30, Ezekiel 36, 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. You know one of the jobs, one of the things that the Holy Spirit's work is doing and trying to, trying to do in your life when you go, just on a day-to-day -day basis, but especially when you go through these trials, trials and, and struggles, that Holy Spirit is put within inside of you so that you have something to strengthen you to keep God's commandments. You have something inside of you to encourage you and to strengthen you so that, so that you don't lose hope, so that you don't fall into sin, so that you don't wind up quenching the Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit. It says, I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. One of the things the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, does in us is it gives us the strength to stay, keep doing right even when every ounce of our, our flesh and everything else wants to do wrong because we're frustrated and we're tired with the problems. But the Holy Spirit not only intercedes for you, and, uh, you know, by praying for you, He gives you the strength to just do what's right. To avoid sin. Galatians 5.16, you probably know the verse. Uh, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. How do you not fulfill the lust of the flesh? Well, walk in the Spirit. The... the the, the benefits of having the Holy Spirit with inside of you is, ladies and gentlemen, you and, I have, you and I have access to something that's powerful enough to keep us from doing something really stupid when we really want to. And, and we just got to make sure that we don't mess that up. That Holy Spirit, uh, one, of the, one of the things the Holy Spirit does for us, it says in John 14, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Amen. One of the things the Holy Spirit does for us, ladies and gentlemen, is he, he gives us comfort, and no matter what we're going through, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how bad we've messed up this 
trouble or trial we're in, and no matter how much he's had to, uh, you know, reshuffle our prayers to, to talk to the Father, uh, he stays there in spite of all those mistakes we make along the way. That is a, that is a comfort to know. It is a comfort to know that if I have a bad day when I'm going through, uh, you know, the, the test result comes in, and you look at it, and all of a sudden you kind of, you know, you kind of lose your mind there for a little bit, and you get real depressed. It's good to know that, that the Holy Spirit, even though you're, you're not doing right, even though you're not having the trust in God that you need to have, the Holy Spirit is right there interceding for you, and he's going to abide with you in spite of the mistakes that you make. That he may abide with you forever. That's, that's just a, that's a comfort to know. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit gives you rest. Right? He gives you comfort. It says in Isaiah 63, um, in, in compar comparing a, a horse to the Israelites, as, as the beast goeth down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord causeth him to rest. So didst thou lead thy people to make thyself a glorious name. One of the things, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit does for you is he gives you rest. He gives you comfort. Right? Acts, Acts 9 says, uh, And the churches had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. You take a look at, you know, people talk about the Holy Spirit all the time, and, and they should. I, I, I can't even scratch the surface of all the things that he does for us. But he gives you comfort. He gives you rest. Right? He helps you stay away from sin. Why? So you don't grieve him. So that you don't lose hope. He gives you peace and joy. It says in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy where? In the Holy Ghost. Where do you find peace and joy? Why do you, is that, you think that just appears out of nowhere? It's with inside of you. The Lord, the Lord gave you the Holy Spirit so that you can have that peace and that joy and that rest. These are just some things that the Holy Spirit, you know, that the Holy Spirit accomplishes or is trying to accomplish in your life. Now, certainly, certainly you can, you can quench that. It's not a good idea. And if it's not there, maybe you should figure out why it's not there. Because the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside and, and the Bible says he's, he's not going to leave you. So if some of these things aren't in your life, okay, well, you're missing it. Figure out, hey, how am I missing it? What am I doing? There's a lot of other things the Holy Spirit does. I don't have time to get into it. He obviously gives us assurance uh, of salvation. He seals us uh, in our salvation. He teaches us. He guides us. He gives us victory over the flesh. He, he helps us to, uh, you know, to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, he, strengthens the, he strengthens the inner man. You talk about 
You talk about a Christian, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, when we get saved, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, and he gives us every single thing we need to make it through any trial, any struggle, anything that this world has to throw at us. And even when we mess up, he kind of takes our prayers and shuffles them around and translates them into what they should have been all along. That's good to know. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you. Like I said, that's just, that's just a fraction of the list. But stop and think about that. Assurance. He seals you. He teaches you. He guides you. He gives you victory over the flesh. He helps you bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. He strengthens you. He intercedes for you. And the Lord Jesus Christ does too. So we talk about how the de- last week the devil was trying to devour you. Well, don't ever forget, ladies and gentlemen, while the devil's out there trying to do that, you know what? You've got an advocate on your side. If you're saved, you're born again, you have an advocate on your side, that is the Holy Spirit, and he is there trying to shelter you and trying to protect you from all those things. And he is, he is working in, in your life. Even when you don't recognize it, Even when, you're, even when you're having a, you know, a, a bad day, a bad month, a bad year, a bad decade, and you're falling flat on your face in your Christianity, the Holy Spirit is still dwelling inside of you. You know what? He's str- still trying to pick up the pieces and, and carry you over to that path where the Lord Jesus Christ actually wants you. Amen. It is good to know that. So I guess what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to say and to wrap up here today is, uh, is regardless of what you wind up going through, regardless of where you find yourself, listen, don't ever give up hope. You've got, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you doing all these things in your life. Your job, your job is the best you can try to submit to him and go along for the ride. God knows what he's doing. And once you begin to realize what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, and what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing in your life, even though sometimes you can't see it, you, at least you realize that that's happening, then you can finally get to the place. What is the next verse? 828. Then you can finally get down to Romans 8.28. And you know what? You got a good chance at making it apply. Amen? But, but there's a lot that goes into it before we get down to verse 28. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for, uh, for sending us the comforter, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Lord, I am so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I am so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives. There are just countless things that he does. Some of them we probably don't even realize. But nonetheless, uh, he is an advocate for us, just like your son is. We ask now that you would, uh, Lord, help us in these matters. Uh, If we're not going through some of these struggles ourselves, Lord, help us to be in more fervent prayer for those that are. This world is, is, um, (laughs) it, it is, it is a mess like we started reading. 
I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in, in us. Lord, we're looking forward to the glory. Help us to keep it in our vision. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.